My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me is somebody I haven't seen for a while, but I'm so glad to be seeing you. It's Matt Claybrooks. Hello, Matt. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Matt <laughs> is an old student of mine, but he is, has come so far since you worked with me. My yeah. God. He is the writer and co-producer of the Netflix original series, All About the Washingtons, which will premiere August 10th. He began as a staff writer for the Chris Rock comedy, Everybody Hates Chris, and has written shows and has written four shows such as The Game, Single Ladies, and Instant Mom, as well as the BET Awards and the Oscars. Currently, he's developing a series with Kevin Hart through Lionsgate Productions. It's called, can you say what it's called? Yep. Called Little, Little Kev? Little Kev. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So you've been a little bit busy since I last saw you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the highlights. It was a lot of lowlights. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's all about the pitch, Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, making it happen. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, let's start with the show that... that Everybody should see August 10th, right? Because this is yes. your new show. Yes. Tell yes. everybody about it. Um, I'm one of the writers, uh, co-producer on the show. Um, it's called All About the Washingtons. It's starring Rev Run mm-hmm. um, and his wife, Justine, and a bunch of good actors. Is that really and, his um, wife in real his life? Real, his real life wife. Oh, yeah. that's adorable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they had a, they had a, a reality series, um, you know, Run's House back and it was so popular and people loved them and um so this is their first time when scripted and doing that like a, a real multi-cam sitcom you know so it was fun it was fun we did 10 episodes very proud of it um on netflix august 10th so hopefully everybody loves it tell everybody the premise of it um it's about uh he's pl- they're loosely playing themselves mm-hmm. it's about him just retiring from being a rapper and being on the road doing tours and different things he's like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna hang it up so we can spend time and i'm we can, i'm gonna have a great uh retirement and as soon as he retires his wife is like okay now now i get to do what i want to do and she wants to have a, a a business career so he's like I didn't sign up for this. And so they have to figure it out. You know, like how is life going to be now that he's home? How are the kids going to, you know, react now that he's going to have more of a say so at the house? And how is it going to be when his wife is actually out there, you know, trying to make her business successful? So it's kind right. of the, the thing. But it's fun. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And so um, you you have that. But. Even before that, you've been on, the, on all these other shows, mm-hmm. but you started mm-hmm. when I met you. You were uh, a writer's PA, yes, right? Yes. Um, for girlfriends. Uh, for girlfriends, mm-hmm. yes. And then, then you got onto Everybody Hates Chris, and you and Chris Rock have been hanging out, like yeah. developing a lot of things together over yeah, the years, right? Yeah. I've worked with Chris probably on 
other than this last uh, Adam Sandler movie he did for Netflix, I worked with him on every single project since every everybody hates Chris. Now, do you have? Yeah. Like, I mean, here you are, sort of working with well-known personalities that mm-hmm. and their voices and their their material end up in their fictional work as well, right? Mm-hmm. So Chris mm-hmm. Rock and um, the guy in All About the Washington is <laughs> like, like blanking, right, and right. Uh, and also Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. So are you very good at capturing people's personalities and finding the way to sort of bridge reality and fiction? Yes. I mean, it is a lot of training for it. I mean, in college I did one one act shows, one act um, plays and films and stuff like that. But, and then when I started doing stand up, you know, and developing my voice on stage, it's just a culmination of just writing scripts, plays, doing stand up, just, you know, and I consider myself like um, a stand up comedian whisperer. So <laughs> I, I get a lot of, you know, I, you know, I talk to a lot of comics about how to, flip a joke or how to, you know, do certain things. So with comedy, so and comedy is the kind of the only thing that I write um, because I like making people laugh. Because uh, if you met my family, you would understand why. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so so I feel like I'm able to capture the voice of, you know, the cadence, the, what, what makes you funny, just trying to figure out how you need to say a joke or how just, just, that kind of thing with comedy, which sometimes a comic or a writer can be really good, but they just can't capture a certain voice. And uh, I try to pride myself on really locking into what makes that person funny and how to get the most of them out of each situation. I mean, TV is different. Even like multicam is different than single cam is different than features, different than stand up. And you have to just, you know, you can't use the, it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. Each thing is different. The person is funny. You're trying to get them to be their funniest in each different medium if they do different things. So, okay. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to have you give us a class. Are you ready? You <laughs> okay. didn't sign up for this, but okay. all right. So we've got a stand up joke, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got a setup, a punch, maybe mm-hmm. a tag, maybe an act out, right? Yes. Or maybe not in that order. Set, set yeah, up, punch, typical. act out, tag, right? That's, that's typical. Yeah. Uh, okay. So for sitcom, mm-hmm. okay, um, how would you take that joke and how would you work on expanding that so that it works for that medium? I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it could be done the, sa- the same. Like, I mean, in Seinfeld, you know, they do a lot of, you know, we're taught in writing for movies and TV to show, not tell. Mm -hmm. But they do a lot of telling on that show. Mm -hmm. They do stuff and then they explain how it happened to their friends. Why do they have this? Yes. It's kind of like that. And it still works. It still works, you know, because that show completely captures Jerry's voice, you know, and and Larry knew him as a stand-up and they knew each other, like, so well. So, um, So in that sense, it works. But as far as just, like, obviously the act out in a sitcom is going to be you actually acting it out with other characters, you know what I mean, in, in the show, as opposed to doing it yourself. Unless you like Martin Lawrence, like Martin, Lucy, people like that, they would act it out even in the room by themselves. And they can do like almost their stand up act almost completely. I mean, Lucy wasn't a stand up. She did vaudeville, but mm-hmm. like Martin and um, they, his stand up act completely just trans 
translated to to a sitcom. And most of the time, there's a little difference. But with Martin, it was just like basically he could do almost any of those jokes on stage just as a stand up, you know. And so that that show completely captured his voice as well. But um, well, you know. would you would you say okay? So when we're talking about act the act out, mm-hmm. it's different from the act out like as in writing, right? Mm-hmm. We're actually talking about acting out yeah, the yeah, joke, right? Here's, here's a demonstration mm-hmm. of what I mean, right? So you could take that, could that then become that act out alone, the basis for a scene or even an entire episode? Like, would that be how you might find story potential from a stand-up yeah. act? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can do one one particular joke, which I don't want to go into on the, the, the little Kev thing, but taking a joke and going, okay, this is going to be the basis of the whole episode and we're going to figure out how to expand it by adding different characters, giving motivation for why this joke, how the joke started, you know, and then how it, how, what happens in the joke um, um, just informs everything else that happens in the ep- like, it, you know, so it can just be that kernel of a joke that just kind of blossoms into a whole episode, you know? So could it be sort of like um, the setup mm-hmm. for the joke becomes the first act of the, of the show, yeah. of the episode, yeah. right? Because we're setting it up. Like this is the problem that, that, you know, yes. as a standup, I'm like, why do we have this problem? Right. 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 And then the punchline becomes maybe the twist in the second act, maybe even like the wah, 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 like at the end of the second act. I mean, it can, or the, the whole setup punchline could be in the first act. It could be just how it plays out in a normal telling of a joke, and then how that person's got to deal with the ah, situation. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like sure. That kind of thing. So it's like, and then you're acting it out throughout the episode, how you're dealing with the aftermath of what happened in that particular joke. Right. You know, so it could be expanded or like it could be how you're saying where the, the punchline could happen later on. But mostly for me, it's like the setup and punchline happens together. And then it's like, how do we lead up to the setup punchline? Uh-huh. You know, and right. then how how that whatever happened in that punchline, something happens. And then now that character has to deal with, you know the thing throughout the the rest of the episode. And I, I would imagine you know. some part of the act out comes into that second act, right? Because yeah. you're going like, oh, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And then you're seeing maybe a character who's doing that, you right. know, or the main character is acting that way, right? Right. And then even the tag, I wonder if that sort of comes in as sort of like a callback could come in within, yeah, within a, the episode yeah, as well. Yeah, vari- in a variety of different ways it can happen. And then obviously you have tons of set up punchlines going throughout the episode because, you know, just telling up a regular joke kind of thing. But I mean, typically when a stand up, like some of the best um, sitcoms were the, 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 the stand up comedian has an act mm-hmm. and they turn that act into a show, be it Cosby show, Roseanne. Um, Tim Allen's um, act, um, you know, that kind of thing. They just turn Ray it in. Romano. And, yeah, Ray Romano, um, um, King of Queens with Kevin James. Mm-hmm. You know, they turn their act into their show and they did a, a good job at it. We talked about Seinfeld and they cap absolutely captured their voice and they do jokes from their act, 
you know, sometimes it it becomes whole episodes. Sometimes it's just a throwaway joke that's just funny in the episode. You know, it's so. it's it's interesting too because in an entire act, mm-hmm. right? You're telling a story, and they would tell the story of let's say Ray Romano, like his his relationship with his wife, mm-hmm. his relationship with his parents, right? right and that right. became the show, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you're a storyteller, if you're a storyteller, sometimes you're, sometimes you're not like. Chris Chris Rock is not particularly he tells stories here and there, but his act in general is not a storytelling act. He's telling jokes. Bill Maher doesn't tell stories; he tells jokes. So, mm-hmm. but that those people can steal. Like uh, still with with Jerry, Jerry tells jokes in general more than stories in general. Sometimes he'll have stories, but he can tell jokes and his observational jokes and observational humor. And somehow they took that and use like one observation of one joke and that's like one of the storylines because you know with Seinfeld it would have like like A, B, C, D storylines I mean they were just amazing and they all would run and intersect and go around each other and it was just brilliant it's my favorite show so you know but um but yeah sometimes it's the a joke you know it's just a joke but what what uh when you're a storyteller like Ray Ray Romano I mean um you know, he he would just stories from his stand up could just become episodes of the show or like with Bill Cosby, like the whole like in Bill Cosby himself, his stand up act. You know, he's talking about how he, you know, had to make breakfast for the kids and he gave them the chocolate cake. And that became like scenes from like the Cosby show. And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my I mean, if you watch Bill Cosby himself. You, you're like, and then you know the Cosby show. Like, I watched the Cosby show first, and then I watched his stand-up. And I was just like, I can't believe how it's the same, like, thing. And it works both ways. So if you're a storyteller, yeah, it, it, it's like that. But people, a lot of people don't understand how to turn non-storytelling comedians into, you know, putting making their act, mm-hmm. um, which is harder because they're not telling stories. They're telling jokes, you know. Um, so if you made a show for like Carlin or somebody like that would be a, a totally different thing than for somebody that's telling traditional stories, but still works. If you're funny, it can be translated. Um, Bill Maher, I, I don't know. I don't know how that would like, how that would be a sitcom. You he's know got his mean? own show. Like that's another thing. Yeah. But he's doing because he translated his act into what he does best, which is this political kind of. You know, argument. I got a show for Bill Maher. Yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm, I can't say I'm a big fan either way. You know, okay. I, I, I agree with the politics, and I and I don't. I'm not a huge fan of his. But this is what right, I would do. Right. I would make him the guy who's currently in the center of the extremes. Right. He. Mm-hmm. That's what he believes he is. Right. He's got like an extreme left. He's got extreme right. He's the guy in the neighborhood who's trying to deal in the middle of you know, the Trump world, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying mm-hmm. to deal with this, somebody who's fervently, you know, uh, a, a, a MAGA kind of guy. And then somebody who is, you know, what somebody would describe as a snowflake, right? Right. right? Because right. those are his, those are, that's how he looks at the world. Right. So you create characters around him so that he could make his observations. What do you think? I think it would be, I don't, I don't know as a performer though, like, would that be, you know, I, like he's so like his act is so like he's so locked into that, that 
I don't know as a performer if he could step out of that to just the acting part of of it. I don't know. I don't Maybe. know. I don't know. I don't know. Like I think part of his <laughs> look at Bill, yeah, yeah, Bill Maher's probably like, Maher. who are you people? <laughs> what? what why no, are no, you talking I, about me? Hey. But um, but uh, but I think he does put on a little bit of a character of I'm this. I'm just the put upon every man. You know, I'm just trying to make sense of this. You guys are with me, right? Right, right. So, I mean, that translates a little bit to the the guy who, you know, has has the shirt collar and tie and comes home every day and is trying to make sense of his world, you know? Right, right, I don't know. Right, Maybe, you right. know. I mean, that's where I would be. It would be funny because he's like in the smoke and a lot of weed and not married and hate and has love animals, hates kids and like. Like if it was some kind of Larry Sanders show where it was like this hybrid talk show slash his life being like he's so, you know, very adamant about politics and he knows his politics and how this is wrong and that. And then in his real personal life, how he's smoking weed and like doing whatever he, you know, oh, that's I mean? true. Why am I that making him? A, why am I making him an ordinary guy? Yeah, You're right. Yeah, he's a yeah. he's a. So, so that's interesting too, right? You take this guy who, you know, might have a certain kind of job where he mm-hmm. thinks he's really cool, right? Yeah, yeah, where yeah. he's smoking, smoking weed <laughs> and taking care of animals and all this stuff. But right. he's always sort of like coming up against these things that, that sort of stop him in his tracks, right? Right, right, right. Okay. Inform like his politics and, and all that. But, um, but no. I mean, <laughs> should we get Bill Maher on the we phone? We should get him. I mean, I wonder, I mean, I wonder why he's never done that. Like, you know why? Because he's, because he's going to hear people like us talking and yeah, be like, yeah, this yeah. is why. No, he would. He this would is hate why. It. Yeah, he would so hate it right <laughs> yeah. now. Let's hope he's not listening to this episode. Right, right, but, right. you know, it's, it's fun. I think that the reason getting back to what you do so well mm-hmm. is you were able to go, yeah, but he's got, this other thing, yeah. you know, you captured what his personality really is mm-hmm. that is sort of unique and he's got his point of view. People aren't just their point of view. They That's are true. who they are. That's true. We don't have to make them something they're not. Yeah. Right? That becomes the character. Yeah. And then they also have their way of looking at the world. Right. Because you, uh, he's been doing this a long time. So it's like who you are is locked in mm-hmm. at this point, especially comedically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't, you, you, to me, you shouldn't try to run away from it mm-hmm. because then you have something where just like, why, why is this guy not doing this? Like he plays football. Like, why do we have him playing hockey? Like, let's make him do what he does. Mm-hmm. And then he can be the best at it. Kind right. Of thing. Just putting people into situations where they can succeed comedically and to me knowing how they tell jokes and what makes them comfortable comedically always trying to put them in a position to succeed and I think sometimes people go oh you're funny you can be funny anywhere and I don't I don't believe in that I think you're funny the way you're funny some people some people are versatile and they're funny in different types of things you Uh know Um, but some people are only funny one way. And if they're funny that way, figure out how to make them be that way as much as you can. You know, I think that that's such a great point, because if we look back on some sitcoms around comedians that didn't work, they were taking that comedian, taking them out of their natural element, putting them into some like, no, you're the principal, right? Right. You know, or like in something like I was about to do to Bill Maher, like put him in a shirt and tie and make him a a working man. That's not who he is, right? Right, right. Like um, they took them out and then said, here, you can, you'll still be funny, right? Right, right. And I know you've seen pilots and other things where it's like, 
somebody you think is absolutely funny. Like I've read pilots for stand-up comedians and I was like, I can't believe they made this character so unfunny for this person that is so hilariously funny. Mm -hmm. They're not capturing their comedic voice at all. And to me, comics, I always tell comics, your best friends should be writers. Like with Jerry and Larry, you, 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 if you don't, if you're not hanging out with writers, like what are you doing? Like I'm maybe not your first year, but if you've been doing stand up 10, 20 years, why aren't you hanging with writers all the time that get your voice? Kevin Hart hangs with writers. Chris Rock hangs with writers. Like so, therefore, when they do something, even if somebody gives Chris a script, he has writer friends come in to go. Let's look at my part and and make it me and make it funny. He doesn't just go, let me, all right, where, where do I stand? No, he knows he wants to get himself out the funniest possible way he can. And the only way, the best way to do that is with people that understand you the most. And that comic writer um, relationship is so important because that's an intimate relationship where somebody knows you well. It's like a marriage, you know. Um, and Chris has a few guys that, that are, you know, um, I, fortunate to be one of them where it's like we get him comedically and sometimes he'll jump off track and we're like that's not you and he's like ah you're right you're right you're right you know what I mean because every comic even thinks you know I mean I can give Chris a joke and he may go ah it's not me it's perfectly fine for Bill Maher like I gave Chris a Bill Maher joke and I have to keep like checking myself like I'm giving him a joke for some, I know his voice. I know his cadence. I know he wants a shorter setup and more punch, multiple punchlines. That's him. If I write a joke for, um, you know, Dennis Miller, he has these long, really wordy setups and then shorter punchlines. That's they just have different styles, both funny, but I shouldn't give one the joke for the other one. You know? do, you, do you write for all these guys, or no, that's I mean, sort of I, like in, you've you've just you've just yeah, studied how yeah, how yeah. these guys talk? Yeah, it's yeah, fascinating. And, and why? Like, what do they do a lot? Like, how are their? Jo- I mean, a lot of times comics do the same structured jokes throughout their whole career, and it's like it's like a rhythm to it, like music, and you have to give that. It's like. You know, somebody, I mean, J-Lo singing, you can't give J-Lo a Whitney Houston song. Like, why would you do that? Like, (laughs) she's not going to (laughs) succeed. But if you give her a fast paced dance song with riffs and she doesn't have to, like, really show this range of voice, then you can go, oh, that's a song I can dance to and like or whatever, you know. And um, well, since you're talking about rhythm and cadence, um, you know, I think that this would help writers when they're writing dialogue Mm -hmm. to think about when they're trying to find different voices. Right. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about that off mic. Right. You were saying you really like to be able to scratch off the name and and still know the character. Mm -hmm. Some of that has to do with the rhythm of how they talk. Right. So even though we're talking about if we build something around a comic, you still Mm -hmm. want to capture what that comic really is. Right. You could steal their voice. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Let's say that we have uh a Kevin Hart or Chris Rock, a Bill Maher, and who was the one you just said with a uh, Dennis Miller, right? Mm-hmm. And you put them all in the same scene, but they're called something completely different. They're right, you right, know right. Tom, Dick, Joe, and Harry, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And but they have now they all have different cadences. They all have different ways of talking mm-hmm. that might be interesting for somebody who's writing. Go, oh, this person talks like 
yes, this. And suddenly you get different rhythms, you get different, even a little of that point of view mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. sneak in there. Absolutely. Point of view and rhythms, you know, like one character is a devout Christian, so they're always going to try to slip in some, you know, morality in their opinion, mm-hmm. you know, to situations. And then somebody may be like, you know, all they do is like drink all night. You know what I mean? And they're like always looking for times to, oh yeah, yeah. Can we, you know, trying to take breaks to go get a a drink or something like that. So all that stuff can make them to me sound different. Like why would, you know, erasing the name, especially pilots. Like, and I had to go through that. Like with some pilots I wrote, like who's talking? Like Mm -hmm. I wrote a pilot that had like, um, four female four white female characters around the same age Mm. how do you make them sound different Mm -hmm. like but if you watch friends the pilot you know that's jennifer that's that's you know rachel that's Mm -hmm. monica you knew who they were that's phoebe you knew who they were if you got rid of the names and they're all similar age Mm -hmm. they're all dating they're all you know so it's like there's a way to make people and that's the thing you have to make them sound especially in a pilot different enough to where you really nail down the character and people know what this show is about and who these people are and what they want you know and that's something that a lot of guys that write good really good writers that you know sometimes it's just like i just uh, you know people people say similar stuff and it's like that's true but we're not writing real well, it's not a reality show and they don't say to, things always in the same way yeah, even if yeah. they agree yes everybody's got these different ticks to how they talk yeah. um and yeah uh, what sort of how they frame it right 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 sometimes it's easy um because the characters are so different like it was a family show Al Bundy would never say what Peg would say. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you don't ever have to worry about people saying similar stuff in that sense because the characters are so different in age and different in what they would want, you know, kind of thing. But then I'm just more talking about like when the characters are close in age and close in maybe even what they believe to some extent, making those characters sound different and unique to me is a little harder, mm-hmm. um, not impossible or, you know, whatever, but it's harder than, you know, I figure like say the golden girls, everybody is so distinctive. Like I would never think Dorothy is Blanche right, or Rose. Like you all, you knew exactly who they were. And it was like, okay, that's why you laugh too, because it's like, oh shit, Rose is about to say something about St. Olive. You know what I mean? So it's like to me and that, when I was put in that perspective, it was like, okay, I'm not going to fight this. It has to be this way. And then when you do it, you go, wow, this is better. It's just better. You know, I'm getting the sense from hearing you, you of a guy who has immersed himself in listening to comedy and mm-hmm. watching TV. And yeah. like like you studied these yeah. shows and these acts. Is yeah. that right? I studied. Um, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but I grew up in Compton. And I had a mom who was very protective so she didn't have us go out. She she kept us in a house, house as much as you could. She wanted us to be safe, especially at that time that I lived in Compton. Um, so it was like, okay, I watch TV <laughs> um, because you're trying to avoid going outside and getting shot, um, or some, or your what your mom thought that, even though I knew it wasn't as, at least I felt at the time it wasn't as dangerous as she 
thought, but mm-hmm. maybe it was. And I was a kid and just trying to have fun, you know? Right. So, um, but yeah, so I would watch shows. And the cool thing is like, like now where everybody with Netflix and Apple and it's like nobody watches the same thing. Like we don't have water cooler shows anymore. We have only water cooler shows to us and our friends. Uh, but as that's far interesting. as like, we, I mean, literally if you had three networks, everybody knew like i didn't watch dallas mm-hmm. but who didn't know who jr was right, like, right, right. i mean it's like you knew i knew the theme song of every show even if i didn't watch it was like because it was we had a shared experience and now we don't um but when you had a shared experience like literally you watched the same thing so it was like you'd watch Sanford and some and then you'd watch Dynasty and then you would watch so it's like you can learn different voices now to me I think people um, can get to a point where they only listen to the voices that they want to hear you know and I think then people listen to all voices because that was the only voices you had and to me I think it's a little better when we're forced to live in a world together as opposed to create our own niche world that only watch shows about 20 something year olds or I only watch black shows or I only watch, you know, mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't think that it's good. Definitely not good for comedy. Um, when you don't have a shared experience, it's like, that's why everybody's does doing Trump jokes. Cause that's the one thing we have in common. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah. when we all had more stuff in common, everybody knew anything a comedian got on stage to joke about, we all shared it. But now it's like, you know, you can't even talk about a show because you may be spoiling for somebody that hasn't watched it. Right. It's everybody like, goes, la, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't watch The Wire yet. It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, when are you going to watch this shit? Like, you know, so you can't you can't talk about anything. It's like The Shield. No, nope. you can't. Uh, no, nope. no. Nope, okay. Nope, All right. <laughs> well, can we? The only thing we can talk about is sports. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not not live no. action. Not. Stuff. No, Maybe no, not. I and, no. And politics are new. Seriously. Yeah. OK. All right. I'll go, I'll go there. Stuff that. <laughs> That everybody agrees that you can talk about because we're not going to not talk about the NBA finals from 97. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to do that. But with TV, it's like, no, I haven't seen the West Wing. I haven't seen people are watching what they watch and binging it. So I just feel like, to me, it was better when we all could, like, share it and, like. You know what you're you doing. I, I just have to tell you, you're you're reminiscing about the old days. Yeah, I am. Be careful. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But when hey, you have I'm, kids, they're going to get you on that. They are, they are, and they won't even watch TV. They They'll be watching even. from the palm of their hand. Yes, they or will. Or from, from their, like, the pupil in their eye. But yeah. I'm going to make them, I'm going to make them not just watch one type of thing or listen to one type of music. You have to have an appreciation for different people, different points of views. And you should be forced to listen to stuff because if you're forced, you may go, wow, I like classical music. I would never listen to it unless somebody forced me to. And when you're a kid, you should be forced to to take in good art. You don't know what good art is yet. Right. So just sit your ass down and you're watching this. You're <laughs> listening to this. And eventually you're like, wow, Earth, Wind and Fire is the best. Yeah, you wouldn't know it if you were just listening to Little Yachty. You know what I mean? Right. Or That's whatever. True. You know, you have, you should, you should, there should be some common ground. It's like we all choose that these are the things that we all need to know. And then we can kind of veer off and do. Do you know what I, this is not TV, but. This is what I was I was pounding into my 17 year old's head the other day because she's in New York right now and mm-hmm. she had just gotten back from seeing Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was like, 
you should see fame. <laughs> Now, this is why she went mm -hmm. to an art school out here, which really reminds me of the high school performing arts, right? She just saw Rocky in New York, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the thing about fame is it's actually a very 70s movie. Yeah. It's not like we think about like the 80s shiny kind of stuff. It's mm -hmm. got like a lot of grit to it. Yeah. It was turned into a shinier TV show, you know, and I'm like, promise me promise me if you'll see me and she was she and her girlfriend were listening and they were just laughing at me and i'm like no i really i really want you to see it you know right, when you come right. home i'm gonna make you see fame right <laughs> so, right right no yeah because you just get these things where it's like no you're missing out there's something right there, there right. is something you know it's special yeah and it's both ways it's like we should see and listen to everything they watch that's true listen to That so is I true. listen to all everything like, you know, I have an appreciation for it and I don't try to judge it against like this is so much better than that. No, it's like this is what this right, is. Migos right. is great. They're great. Mm -hmm. They're, you can't compare them to public enemy. They're just not that. So <laughs> as long as you don't compare them, you can actually appreciate them for what they do and what shows or whatever. So I try not to be the old man that's like, eh, my day right, this is right. so much this better, is better than that. It no, just, just is. Yeah, just right. experience as many things as possible. So, you know, you have and, an appreciation. Um, and, and watch fame. Just, I'm just and saying, it's a very good movie. Um, <laughs> um, Matt, I want to ask you, I'm like, I don't know if this is jumping into something more political, but I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinating, fascinating, fascinated mm -hmm. about the Oscars mm -hmm. because If you were writing for Chris Rock mm -hmm. and you wrote, helped write for the Oscars, this was the year of Oscar So White, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was, um, Chris took the gig before the whole Oscar So White thing happened. Mm -hmm. He had no intentions of being on this political thing. He was just like, I'm going to be funny, I'm going to do the Oscars, and then this hit, and it was like, hey, do I still want to do this? I don't want to deal with, you know, everybody, all the pressure of, if you don't say this and you're speaking up for everybody in the whole community, all this stuff. But we, we needed to do a little of that. But then we didn't want to just do the cliche kind of, you know, white people are bad. Like we, we wanted to really be funny, be, be poignant. And I'll, at the same time, like really give more different sides to the, to the, to the argument. And I feel like we were able to do that. I feel like we we were able to nail it. Um, and a week before that, the monologue wasn't nailing it to me. I was just like, it's good in areas, but I feel like it's not there. And like we were going to the kind of like we would write all day, the writers, we would write all day. And then we would all meet at the comedy club at night. And then we would talk about it at night after the set. And then we would meet in the morning. We would sometimes watch or listen to the set the night before. And we really focused. So on Chris, Chris this was thing. like practicing it on, on yes. just a stand up comedy crowd. Yes. Yes. And they didn't know that they were, they were actually getting a rehearsal for the Oscars. Yes. The, he wasn't doing it as a full monologue. He was doing jokes here and there, all that would eventually become the full monologue. Um, but yeah, he was practicing. The only way you can make sure something's funny is you have to test it out. It's not, there's no other way. Like I wish it was like drama where you could just, I mean, somebody dying of cancer hits you hard. Sure. No matter if you test it or not, but a joke, it's like, no, that you need to slow that down or you need to pause here. It's just all the little different things to make that joke work 
or um, and we we did the work, and that's why that monologue was to me one of the best monologues, especially because it was a it was because of the political atmosphere at the time. Um, so much seemed to ride on it. Like, yeah. like I remember watching, and my I was holding my breath. Like, right. what is Chris Rock going right. to say? Like, right. and I just thought, oh my god, you right. know, he should not have that pressure on him. No, no. This is supposed to be a night of celebrating, and everybody's like, speak for everyone, Chris Rock. Right. You know, make it all better. Yes. Um. Yes. So, yeah. so in that, is it possible to say you said it wasn't working? It wasn't working. What was the thing? Was there one thing where you went? That's the point of view. It was a order. It was um, it was sometimes too heavily weighted on one side where it's like you want to show you wanted to show like this is important. Diversity is important. All that's everything we're talking about is important. But at the same time, you guys, we work in Hollywood. We're not we're not curing cancer. We're not curing AIDS. Let's let's let's. Give it some levity as well. Kind Stop of thinking thing. we're so important. Yeah, we and that's the thing about award shows is it's a like pat us on the back fest kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it's hard like with comedy because, you know, the, the Oscars, you know, it's hard. In a comedy club, it's, the whole club is, is dark. The lights are off and the lights are on the comic. Right. So people can laugh. Um, without people knowing who you're, you know what I mean? So oh, it's, you can, oh, that's interesting. It's almost anonymous. Yes. I and and so, so if you're being filmed laughing, mm-hmm. even if you think something is funny, you're going to laugh less if you know, oh man, I don't want people to think I think this is funny because then they're going to think I'm racist or they're going to think I'm this. So right. there's a certain level of that, that crowd, that Oscar crowd is the hardest crowd because everybody is, hold it in laughter at things that they don't want to be seen, you know, but when you're, you're anonymous in a comedy club and you get to laugh at anything, you know, because you're not being filmed, they're not going to judge you on what you think is funny and what you're not, what you don't think is funny. So Chris did an amazing job at taking this, this, this time and, and this political thing that was happening and making people laugh at it. Because it was it was a touchy thing, you know, and people still he was able to make us go, okay, we can take a deep breath and we can laugh. And then it was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to tackle this issue. Then we're going to move on and just it's just going to be a funny show. So the sketches we we had to make funny and the different bits we had to make funny. The the Stacey Dash bit didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that one dropped like a dead bird. <laughs> well, you know, maybe maybe too niche. You know, maybe too. Yeah, like, it was just it everybody was funny. It was just funny to three people, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like sometimes you get it's like when the writers' room where it's like this whole room is laughing. It's like yeah, but these are all writers uh-huh. and people that get us lunch every day. Like we have to make this funny to everybody, right? You right, know right. What I mean? So yeah. it's our instincts have to go beyond a room of eight. people people mm-hmm. you know and i think sometimes people can't they can't separate it they think whatever is funny in the writer's room is funny to everybody right sometimes it is but most of the time i'm like this average people would not give a they wouldn't care about this yeah you know what i mean yeah it's just like and that's where i never want to have a, i never want to be disconnected from regular people not hollywood type people because that's just a box like you can't i mean trump won 
Yeah. Because we are all in the box thinking, yeah, yeah, he, he's going down. You know, it's like, no, if we step outside the box, you go, OK, wait a minute. There's something happening. Here. Right. And I and to me, I never want to disconnect. And um, I whenever I can't distinguish what's funny in a writer's room and what's funny in reality, then I'm done. Yeah. I'm yeah. done. And I never want to be done. So it's like I'm always like I write my scripts in Compton, you know, what I mean, where I'm from. And it's like, it's some, I, I just have to stay connected to the real world. I never want to like cross over. Well, I can, <laughs> I can vouch for the fact it's been years, but, um, you have stayed connected. It is, uh, it's a pleasure to see you. Nice. I have to say, I love it. Yay. Thank you for having me. um, so everybody check out all about the Washingtons premieres August 10th Netflix original series also keep a lookout for um, Kevin Hart's um, for the for 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 little Kev that, keep a lookout yeah. hopefully it's a, I mean they're supposed to let us know this week and if it's a show um, it's gonna be great it's gonna be funny it's about it's about Kevin growing up as a kid I mean it's it takes place my current day though. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't want to do another retro kind of thing. We wanted to right. be current day. But it's a lot of the stuff. Some bits you've seen him do stand up. Um, just fitting that in with just in expanding the world to friends. And, you know, it's it's I always say, you know, little Kev is is the Simpsons meet the wire. <laughs> so if you like those two shows squished together. Well, it's only like everybody's <laughs> favorite shows, those two. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, well done, Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Very very well done. <laughs> um, I'm going to name drop and say that uh, I got to uh, teach for Kevin Hart at Heartbeat Productions in March. Um, I got to work with his writers for three days and it was delightful and I got to meet Kevin and it was the first thing in the world that ever made me cool to my 13-year-old daughter. Yes. And she was like, what? Like, he actually was on the phone with me when she came home from school and I'm like, I can't talk. I'm on with Kevin Hart. Right, right. She just lost it. It was great. He's the biggest star in the the world but he's so, like, makes you, I don't know about you but he makes you feel so good. Like, He's yeah, a motive. He's he like called Tony me Robbins. on the phone. Yeah. I'm like, why are you personally calling me on the phone? And yeah. it was just to say, yeah, let's do this. And then he goes, I love it. I love it. I love it. No, he's <laughs> so like, motivating. Yeah. And so like you go, when you have one conversation, you realize why he's so successful. Yeah. Like, you're somebody that believes that you believe you can run through a wall. Like he gets taller as he talks. Like, mm-hmm. what is this, this guy Shaq? Like he's so motivating. And, and it's, and it's made this project a pleasure because he's constantly like, infusing that thing and it's like this optimism is what made you so that we want to embody that in your character as you grow up because it's like there's a reason why you got out of north philly why why you grew up in this rough neighborhood and it did not affect who you became you know and it's because of that thing just the internal like um just faith that's just locked in you know And and he really takes in the room too. Like, you know, what do you think? What do you think? Like that's, I think when you get to a certain star status, you could stop listening, you know, and he's like actively always listening. What do you think? What do you think? Like that, that kind of thing. Remember we gave him like this kind of one page thing that he had to do and he did it once or twice. And then he jumped off book. And it was like in order, like, how did you remember? Like, because a comic's memory is, is a different thing. Like, Chris is like that, too, where it's like 
get it. Uh, 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 all right. I know the rhythm. I, I got it. I can do it. You know, and then you don't need the paper anymore. And it's just so funny. It's just like, see, that's a skill. People, people don't see them do that. They just see them do stand up. They don't see how they take this or that or you're just having a conversation. They get on stage and they start talking about what you just had, what you just talked about. And they made it a bit already. And it's just a, a, a skill. And that's why they're both. And I'm lucky to have worked with two of the funniest, best comedians, you know, in the world of all time. So, you know, it's it's, you know, if I can work with. Dave Chappelle, then I'm going to just kill myself. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, too. But he doesn't do stand-up. But I would love if he ever did stand-up. I can really kill myself. Okay. Dave, Eddie, you listening? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Means- if you want me dead, get back on stage, Eddie. <laughs> but, um, so so you do stand-up. Mm-hmm. Is there a place that people can go to find out where you're doing um, your gigs? Are you Do you tweet? Do you have you know, a website or anything like that? No, I don't tweet or any, I mean, I'm on Facebook and on Instagram, but I don't really, I'll just do shows. Like, I feel like I'm just like an underground comic that will never have a big name, but I just enjoy doing stand up. So you can catch me at open mics, dive bars, opening for somebody like, you know, you probably won't hear it in advance. <laughs> well, I'd love to see you. Will you let me know when yes, you're Yes, I will. Okay. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much. Oh. Thanks for having me. I appreciate and it. I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv. Um, actually, the class that, that Matthew took de- back in the day yep, yep. is, uh, we I always rerun it. So mm-hmm. um, the six-week first draft class is happening again, September 8th through October 13th. Um, you can sign up for it now. It's... Uh, if you don't live in Los Angeles, um, I am working. I am working on something where I could do it online with you too. Just give me a little more time. I'll figure it out. But in the meantime, there are recorded classes that you can check out on the page.tv um, that are there that uh, deal with some of the other subjects that I talk about. Yeah, and I highly recommend like being in the class and getting consulting work. Like literally, I won't, I mean, you taught me that you don't, you don't, send your scripts out after you just write like they should go through like I have 12 people that almost have to approve <laughs> like I have a cabinet like I'll send it to <laughs> these four cabinet. people they'll give me notes I'll, I'll, I'll incorporate their notes I'll give it to the next four and then I'll give it to the showrunner level friends because I don't want them to see it early on sure and then they'll give me notes and then once I get it to a point where I'm not getting really notes and everybody understands everything, um, then I'm like, okay, this is ready to be seen by somebody. And being in this class and, you know, letting you um, consult and and helping me, like, figure out, like, things that aren't as clear has just helped me a lot. So I recommend people, you know, friends and anybody that... Yeah, I get Matt Matt Claybrook's people from time to time, and it's so cool. It's like, it's nice, like, oh, it just always gives me a little yeah. shot of you. Yeah. So don't be cheap. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. <laughs> don't be cheap. Yeah, don't be cheap. It's your career. You can't be cheap. <laughs> well, guys, I I have to. I, I wish I could just stay here and talk. No, yeah. I wish I could, but you've got you've got three. stuff to do. I'll come back if my show is picked up. <gasps> Would you? Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah, Fingers yeah, crossed. But definitely. in the meantime, I'll be watching all about the Washington starting August tenth. Awesome. I want to thank Matthew Cl- Claybrooks again for being a guest on the show. I want to thank. All of you for listening and have a good writing week.